Okay, so the notes start off with something, a lesson that uh, Patrick has learned from Warren Buffett and Jeff Bezos. So he says, Warren Buffett and Jeff Bezos talk a lot about over time that you end up with the shareholders you deserve. They say if you run your business in a short-term way, you're going to end up with short-term shareholders. Similarly, if you are clear about your long-term priorities and principles and you remain consistent to them, then over time you earn shareholders who will partner with you over the long term. And what's really interesting about um, what Patrick's saying here is he's not just applying that to investors, shareholders, and customers, but he's saying that this also applies to the organization, the company you're building, right? So he says, from an organizational standpoint, I think this really applies. The right mindset, meaning the right mindset to have when you're building an organization, is not how do you keep everyone happy, but what kinds of people do you want to be really happy and how do you optimize for them? How do you be the kind of leader they wish the organization had? So he has some advice for us. He says, think about this deliberately. Reframe the question from how do you keep people happy to how do you keep the right kind of people for your organization happy? So he's taking it one step further than what Jeff and Warren are talking about, where it's like you need to find the right shareholders. He's saying, no, no, this also this this idea is so good that it also applies to when you're building the organization that you're that you have the right kind of coworkers, employees, and colleagues. So he says, uh, here's one way they, they kind of filter out the people that are wrong for Stripe. Um, he says, an example of this, we published a guide to our culture. We tried to write it in such a way that some people would read it and say, this is not for me. We consider that a success. So not only does that apply to shareholders and companies, but he's saying, listen, no product is the right product for every customer. So of course, no, co- no company is going to be the right product or right company for every employee. Um, so then he talks about, you know, you have to, the way you're approaching the building organization, of course, is going to change with the size and scale of the organization. So he says before 100 employees, you can reason individually about each person. Beyond that, you have to come up with some principle-based and more methodical, uh, more methodical um, way of doing that across the organization overall. And then this is a really interesting I, I never thought about. He said, like, basically using, when you recruit from other companies, like, use them as a filter to um, find areas where you're like, he calls them blind spots. Let me just read this to you. He says, I think part of the value of having people join from other organizations is they are going to bring dissonance and friction. That's really interesting that he used the word dissonance and friction and that as, a, as a good thing too. He said that will bring expectations, assumptions, and beliefs. Sometimes those will be wrong for your organization. And sometimes they will be right. And what does he mean by them being right? He means that the issues they encounter as they continue to work in the organization or the deficiencies they observe are going to be blind spots that you have. So then he's asked the question, well, how do you know, like, this is who we are as a company. These are the things that we care about. And this is who belongs and who doesn't. Like, how do you make those decisions? And he says, I think it's a very difficult, subtle tension and dialectic balance between your first principles and desires for the kind of organization you want to be and the kind of organization that is going to be a good fit for you. And he kind of gives us an example of this, where, how Stripe appro- approaches hiring engineers. So he, t- very, he just lays out what he believes, what Stripe believes an engineer should be doing. He says, at Stripe, we believe engineers working on customer-facing products have to have a good understanding how the customer uses the product, why the customer wants this or that, and be willing to talk to customers. So he compares and contrasts this with maybe the way other organizations go about this. He says, they have to be more than just an author of code. They have to be excited about understanding the customer need. I love that that idea, excited about understanding the customer need. 
Um, there has to be this ongoing reflection and incremental updating to your mental model based on what is working well, what you did, uh, what did you expect to work well and didn't, and what things did not ex- that you did not expect to work well and did. And then he's going to talk about like uh, when he's called upon to making a decision. He says, "When we were twenty people, I, I could I would think, what is the best decision to make here?" Now, this is another very unique point. I don't know if I've heard uh, made other places. Now I, now I often think, why do we have to make this decision to begin with? The fact that we have to make this decision suggests maybe we're missing some principle or framework that would make the decision an easy one. So he's going to give an example for that. We recently had a conversation about if a particular product was polished enough. I realize we shouldn't be having that conversation. We should instead be thinking about what are, is our framework for deciding what level of polish our product needs to have at different stages of its life cycle. So he's talking about building a model there, a framework for making these decisions easier instead of taking them as one-off. It's going to be impossible to make all these one-off decisions as his organization grows. Um, and then he talks about, you know, why is this so difficult? Because it's not an exact science. He says, part of the essence of leadership is balancing twin forces. On one hand, the empirical sense of what is working well and what isn't and not being too inflexible. And on the other hand, being strict and definitive about the things that you are not willing to have vary. In other words, being flexible but not too flexible. It is ultimately a subjective judgment call. That is part of the reason leadership is so hard. A lot, and then he continues, which I, which I really love. He says, a lot of things in life and in companies revolve around these very fine, highly ambiguous balancing acts. And he gave the example of that it's almost like holding two contradictory ideas in your mind at one time and still being okay with that. Not a lot of people can do that. So he says being a micro pessimist, but a macro optimist. So you might be unhappy about like the current state of your product, but overall believe that the company's going in the right direction. And then uh, he finally closes on something that I think is really interesting, goes back into this, what he calls very fine, highly ambiguous balancing acts. And it has to do with like your own uh, personal look. And he says, if you're overly cheerly, and think everything is awesome. Uh, he, and he references, if you've ever seen the Lego movie, like how the, the main character in Lego movie is like, yeah, it's, everything's great. So he said, if you're overly cheerly and think everything is awesome about your day-to-day, then you will miss really important problems. You will probably eventually fail because you didn't fix things that demanded some urgent course corrections. On the other hand, if you are perpetually burned and beset by challenges and frictions and problems, you will never be able to inspire yourself and others to maintain the motivation to do whatever it is that you are pursuing. 